Well, I have the privilege of wrapping up a series called Being Human. Being Human. I hope you have seen the last couple of weeks. Pastor Ryan kicked it off the first week, and he said that the reason we are doing this series called Being Human is because we are very serious about being a church that will make room for what matters most to God, which is people. And so if we are going to make room for others, not just make space, make room for them in our lives, we need to understand one another. And so we've just taken on the little topic of talking about, well, what does it mean to be human? (laughs) Specifically, we've been addressing this question. Are human beings inherently good or are they inherently bad? Are they, as David describes in the Psalms, wonderfully complex, a mystery of the universe? Or are we, like Paul describes in Romans chapter 7, a miserable mess? Why do I do the things that I do when we live in that tension? And so are we beautiful or are we broken? And if you've been here, you know that the answer we've given is, yes, we are both. There is something so powerful that happens when we begin to embrace that we are both beautiful and broken, not an either or. See, if we go the either or route, well, then if we only think of ourselves as broken, well, then we live in shame or discouragement or negativity. We tend to live smaller or we start to become these workaholics trying to prove to the world that we're not really broken, even though inside we know we're broken. On the other hand, if we only see ourselves as beautiful, well, we become judgmental, arrogant, and we are absolutely shocked by other people's behavior. But when we recognize that we are both beautiful and broken, it changes everything. It changes everything. It changes how we see ourselves. It changes how we see one another. Why? Paul gave us the answer in Romans chapter 7 when he said this, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ. See, when we bring both of our brokenness and our beauty into a relationship with Jesus, then we begin to walk in a humble dependence, knowing we can't overcome our brokenness on our own, but we also walk in a holy confidence, knowing we are children of God. And we walk in a different way in this world. That's what this whole series has been about. That's the foundation of it. Now, if you were here last week, you know that we are in the last two weeks just taking on some God-given emotions. We've gotten practical on you. To look at these God-given emotions to figure out how do we live out of, what does it look like to live out of our brokenness or out of our beauty? How do we navigate this beautiful and broken out of a God-given place? So last week, we talked about anger. Anger can be lived out of a broken place or a beautiful place. If you didn't see it, make sure you go watch it. It was a powerful one. This week, I get to talk about the topic of jealousy. Jealousy. It is a God-given desire that is in all of us that can be lived out of a broken place or a beautiful place. Now, I'm going to dive into that in a deep way, but first, I just want to tell you about how I felt when I was given the topic of jealousy. Oh, I didn't want to do it. (laughs) I went, oh, yuck. I don't want to talk about jealousy. It's just an ugly word. 
On top of that, I, I love to be really authentic, and, and so I like to talk about things that I've struggled with, that I've had to wrestle with, and jealousy, it just isn't one of them. Yeah, you know where this is going to go, right? I got home, and I began looking through social media, and here's what I started to do. I was clicking all the likes on the ones that were about things like birthdays, because, you know, my birthday's coming up in June, and we can all celebrate it then, right? But I was skipping. I didn't do a thumbs down. I just was skipping all the pictures of palm trees and beaches. I'm sorry if it was one of you. But I'm skipping it, and, and I'm, something begins to happen in me. I start to get just real irritable. And I start thinking, why aren't we ever going on a vacation? Why do we never take vacations? I am mad at my husband, and he's not even home. Now, it doesn't matter that we have a lovely vacation coming up in spring. Because, Daddy, I want an Oompa Loompa now. <laughs> I began comparing myself to everything on social media. I got resentful. I got irritable. I got frustrated. Pastor Julia was not very pretty. In fact, I was jealous. And all of a sudden, I stopped and I went, <gasps> Who just took my brain captive? What just happened to me? And then I went, oh, nuts. This is a message for me, isn't it, God? I was jealous. Please tell me you can relate to this. I think we all can. You know, we live in a sea of comparison. Our culture compares constantly. And, and we go to these broken places of jealousy just like that. It doesn't matter what the topic is. It can be money. It can be looks. It can be our hair. It can be our relationships. It can be promotions at work. It can be our children. We start comparing our children. Come on, we know we do that. And we can go to these places, and when this happens, whether we recognize it or not, walls go up, resentment starts to build, we get irritable, and the last thing we want to do is make room for anybody, right? And I want to make it very clear, I am not talking about injustice here. That's super important to me to say. I am not, for example, when, when somebody's voice belongs at a table and it's not welcome there. That's an injustice. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the petty, the frustrated, the green-eyed monster of jealousy that can kick in in just a moment and suddenly we're shutting down in front of somebody. That's the brokenness of jealousy. But I have some good news. There's a different kind of jealousy. There's a jealousy that comes out of a beautiful place. And actually, I believe whether we live out of our brokenness or our beauty just hinges on two little words that are so important. Are you ready for this? Are you jealous of someone or are you jealous for someone? See, when we're jealous of someone, that is our brokenness. It turns us inward where we're trying to figure out what we need. But when it's we're jealous for that comes out of a beautiful place where it's a place of love and where we want what is best for somebody else. It's an outward way of looking. Beautiful and broken and the choice is ours. I know that the beautiful side is possible because of God. God. God calls himself a jealous 
God. And so if we are created in the image of God, that that means that the characteristics of God can be found in us. And so God is known as a jealous God. Let me show you where I'm getting this from. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the very early part of the Bible. It's in the book of Exodus, second book in the Bible. Specifically, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 20, which is the list of the Ten Commandments. And I want to read one of the early ones to you. It says this. God is saying, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. Don't make idols. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. God calls himself a jealous God. Now, I have to admit to you, I've never been fond of that characteristic of God. I, I haven't understood it, and I've just kind of skimmed over it. In fact, I remember, maybe some of you remember this years ago, when Oprah Winfrey was being interviewed. She was not interviewing someone, she was being interviewed. And she said that the reason she left the church at that time was because they called God a jealous God. And she said, that's just ridiculous. And she, she, she had this image of a jealous God being temperamental and a big old baby. And she said, that's not who God is. And I remember at that time thinking there's got to be something more to this. And there is. There is a beautiful side to the jealous, uh, jealousy of God. And that's the one that God represents. Maybe the best way I can represent this jealous side of God is by asking a question. When God told us not to make idols, do you think he was jealous of the idols? Was he comparing himself to the idols? Was he threatened by the idols? No. No. This is the God of the universe who knows who he is. That he is over all. And he is greater than all. So he was not jealous of the idols. He was not comparing himself. I bring to you what I believe is that he was jealous for his people. Jealous for them. And what that means is he wanted back what rightfully belonged to him. He wanted us completely. See, he loves us, he sees us, he knows us, but he wants to be seen and known and loved. And from the very beginning of time, when brokenness entered into the world, Pastor Ryan talked about this the first week, Genesis 3, when brokenness entered and, and we became separated and fractured from God, God would stop at nothing to bring us back to him. Nothing. He pursued us. He has given his son Jesus who came and walked this earth and took on all of the brokenness that we have because he knew we couldn't. And he went to the cross and he died and he took that brokenness with him because he knew he was the only one who could overcome the brokenness. And he rose again and then he promised to fill us with his spirit, with his very presence and he will not settle for anything less than a completely connected, devoted, intimate, profound relationship with him. Where he not only sees and hears us, but we see and know and hear him. 
This is what he wants. Why would he want this? Why would this be so important to part heaven and earth for us? I think it's for a couple reasons, probably many more than I can describe, but number one is he loves us. He loves us with a love that, is com that compares to nothing. But also because he wants what's best for us. He wants what's best for us. And see, we look over here and we compare ourselves and we go, oh, I want that and I want that and I want that because we think that somehow that's gonna satisfy us. But see, God knows none of that will, that, that he is the only one who can satisfy the deepest desires of our hearts. And he wants us to be in a relationship with him because he knows that relationship will compare to nothing else on the face of the earth and he will satisfy the desires of our hearts. He loves us and he wants what's best for us. Two weeks ago when we had the big snowstorm, I got up very early and I was just spending some time praying. And I'll just say something happened. I don't know if I quite have the words for it. It wasn't like I had heard an audible voice. I was thinking a lot about this message and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit began to stir in me. And I just felt and sensed God saying, Julia, I am jealous for you. And I just felt this love, but this seriousness. And he said, I, I'm serious. I want 100% of you. You're looking to the left and to the right. I want you, all of you. <laughs> I just sat there. I don't know if I've ever felt so desired in all my life. And I just began to say, God, and I want you. I think there's even more to you here. And I want it. I want more of you. I want to see you. I want to hear you. And I give my whole life over to you. I want every person within the sound of my voice to hear this. God is jealous for you. He wants you. He loves you so much. And he's not going to settle for less because he wants the best for you and he wants you and he wants you to know him. Often we will have you turn to the left or the right and say something to somebody, not today. I want you to all repeat after me this phrase, God is jealous for me and let it soak deep into you. Say this out loud. God is jealous for me. <laughs> He desires you. This is what God wants. So if this is the description of our jealous God and that he is jealous for us, well then what does it mean for us to be jealous for other people? You know, it, it, there are so many parallels and we could talk about this all day. But the biggest one is that when we move from being jealous of somebody out of our brokenness where we're comparing ourselves and, and we're wanting what they have, but we move to being jealous for, first of all, it comes from a deep place of love. I, I'm not sure we can love people when we're comparing ourselves to them. We have to allow ourselves to be who we are and they to be who they are. So it comes from a place of love, but we also desire God's best for them. We're able to celebrate what is happening in their lives, the good things in their lives. 
And we're also able to long and pray for them that they will know God even more, that all of us will know God even more and long for him back. This is what it means to be jealous for somebody. We love them, but we want God's best for them. Not as we define, but as God defines with them. This isn't easy, is it? It's not. You know, it's a lot easier to just go to being jealous of. In fact, I think I am realizing in my own life how often that is happening. But I want to talk about how do we do this? How do we begin to navigate through the brokenness to be transformed, to discover the beautiful side? I think the first thing I want to tell you is, number one, cut yourself slack. You're only human. Now turn to the person next to you and say, you're only human. (laughs) We're only human. We're beautiful and broken. We are. We're never going to get this perfectly, especially when we live in a world of comparison. We just, we, this will be triggered in us and we just have to know that. But I think the other thing we need to know is that we can't do it on our own. We need something bigger than ourselves to overcome the brokenness. We need something. See, psychologists say that the number one reason why we turn to the brokenness of jealousy is insecurity. We all have insecurities. I'm not saying we're all insecure. There's a difference. But we have insecurities. We have these moments where we feel less than. Or, or we feel like somebody else is being seen or heard or, or known and, and we're just suddenly invisible. We have these moments. Or we're just not loved or somehow they have God's favor and we don't. We have those moments. But, but as we engage in this relationship with Jesus, he goes to work on those insecurities. And he begins to rewrite them and heal them and bring a new perspective to them. Do you remember the last couple of weeks we've been talking about how Paul in Romans 7 said this. We've said it a couple of times. He said, what a miserable person I am. Remember, this is the guy who wrote mo- most of the New Testament, okay? What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then Paul says, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Paul realizes this is a godly man filled with the Spirit. And he realizes, though, that he cannot set himself free from the brokenness of the world and of himself without Jesus. He needs something bigger than himself. But I love it that Paul doesn't stop there. He ends chapter 7 by saying, Thank God, thanks be to God, Jesus is the answer. But then he moves into chapter 8. Now, he didn't title him chapter 8. We did. But this is what he does. He moves into this whole section that is on the solution of how God wants to overcome our brokenness. The whole chapter is on learning to walk in the Spirit of God. Learning to walk connected with God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to chapter 8 of Romans. It's in the New Testament. Mine is titled Life in the Spirit. And I encourage you this week to read Romans chapter 8. It is a beautiful chapter. 
and it teaches us, it, 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 it implores us to learn to walk in the Spirit. I can't go through the whole thing, but I do want to bring you one section of it because I believe that this section is the antidote to our broken jealousy. So look with me if you have your Bibles, otherwise it'll be on the screen behind me, to Romans 8, verse 15. It says this. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You do not have a spirit that perpetuates your insecurities and your fears and your less thans. No. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. The presence of God is what he gives us. And I could have stopped it there. I thought about it. And I thought, no, I got to include this lesson. It says this. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Okay, how is this the antidote to the broken jealousy? As we walk and we swim in the sea of comparison. And we get triggered by these, these comparisons and these less thans. As we learn to walk in the Spirit, recognizing the presence of God in us, the Spirit will remind us of many things. Two of the big ones are this. Number one, he will remind us who God is. That, that God is this God of the universe, overall, absolutely amazing, compares to nothing on earth, but also a God who loves us, who, who is like a father, and I would say, and also like a mother, has characteristics of a mother, is this parent who adores us, the best parent that has ever existed. This is who God is. And the Spirit will remind you, oh, you've got a big God who sees you, who loves you, who knows you. But then the Spirit will also remind us who we are. Remember, you are a child of God. And, and when we go into these places of comparison, the Spirit will work in us and say, remember who God is. Remember who you are. Remember that you are a person of great wealth and worth. And we will begin to walk in this humble dependence and holy confidence. Now, is there suffering? Yes. Do other people have things that we really wish we could have Yes, but when we walk in the spirit and we know God and we know who we are in the spirit, then suddenly the sufferings and the joys and, and everything we can just trust has a purpose and we can hold on and believe in our big God who calls us a son or a daughter and loves us like his own. This is the antidote to that broken jealousy. We'll never do it perfectly. But as we walk into it, God can transform us and remind us who he is and who we are. And we can be transformed into the beautiful side that looks a lot like Jesus.
Here's what I want to do as I come to a close. I want to share with you just four steps. Four steps for you to take as you begin to notice when you turn to that place of being jealous of. It's going to happen, I promise you. And I know these four steps work. Guess why? I've been practicing them for several weeks. Yeah, God in his goodness will gently, he has shown me a brokenness in me that I had not seen before doing this message. And I'm so grateful because as he shows me that, he works me toward him, closer to him. But let me give you these four steps and these are things you can practice over and over again. The number one is this, we gotta notice. We have to begin to notice our beauty and our brokenness. Like when I was sitting in front of social media and all of a sudden went, uh-oh, what just happened to me? Where did I just go? We have to notice it. And we have to actually practice this. Some of us are living only up here and we have to start practicing, paying attention to what's going on in our whole being. And, and I want to encourage you, don't judge it and don't analyze it. Just notice it. You know, there's, a, there's an ancient um, practice that a man named Ignatius of Loyola, back in the 16th century, he developed this practice that is still done today. It's called the examine. And I encourage you to try this. You can do it any time of day. But often people do it at night just as they're going to sleep. They lay in bed and you reflect on your day. And you just notice Notice, God, when was I attached to you? When did I separate from you? When did I experience love? When did I not? In fact, when did I experience the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And when did I not? And just notice it. Start to pay attention to what goes on in you from broken to beautiful. That's number one. But then move quickly to number two. Begin to wonder with God. Don't go to shame or critique, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> no. Just begin to wonder with God, God, what was going on at that moment? What, what's going on right now as I'm feeling this? Have I forgotten who you are? Do I even recognize who you are? What's going on with this other person? What do I need to remember, God? And you begin to wonder with God. Now, it's so, this is where it's so wonderful to remember that we are both broken and beautiful. Because when we see those broken places, we can go, oh yeah, that's right, I'm broken. And you still love me, God. So don't go to shame. Go to wonder. Isn't that a beautiful word? As you wonder in it, then number three, do this. Turn fully to God. Turn back to God and just say, God, forgive me. I, I, I let go. See, our brokenness is when we detach from God. Our beauty is when we remain attached to God. So God, forgive me. I let go. I wandered away a little bit. I forgot who you were. I forgot who I am. God, will you, will you help me? Will you help me remember this? Will you remind me that there is nothing compared to you? I can't see you right now, but God... Help me remember that you're true and that you see me and that you love me. Turn fully to God. And then as you do, you get yourself back up. You remember you're that child of God. You brush yourself off and you start walking forward in that humble dependence, but a holy confidence. I remember who I am. And get up again and again and again and again 
and we keep walking forward, turning fully to God. See, hear me on this. Don't let your brokenness define you. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. You've been defining yourself by your brokenness for too long. Don't let your brokenness define you. Let your brokenness become a tool that turns you back to God. Where you notice and go, oh God, I need to turn back to you. Let it be a tool. Don't let it define you. You are a child of God and that's what defines you. So we notice, we wonder, we turn fully to God and then lastly, we celebrate. We celebrate God, we celebrate ourselves and we celebrate others. We celebrate God and say, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, for your grace, for your love, for your forgiveness. Thank you for how you see me. Thank you that you are not a distant God, but you are right here with me. Thank you, God, for how you made me. Thank you that you see me and you made me for a purpose. I may not get it all figured out, but God, I know this is true and you call me your child. Thank you for my weird idiosyncrasies. Thank you for who I am. And then you celebrate the other person. God, thank you for who they are. Help me to be jealous for them, God. I had this happen this week where I sat with a woman and I could feel myself kicking into jealousy. And then I said, Lord, help me. And I began to be jealous for her. God got me out of myself and began to look at her. And I will tell you, joy erupted in the room. I began to just be jealous for her, just so excited about what God was doing in her life and wanting more for her, wanting God's best for her. So we celebrate God, we celebrate ourselves, and we celebrate the people in our lives by what the goodness of God is doing in their lives and longing for more of him in their lives. This is the root. This is the heart of beautiful jealousy. We have a God who is jealous for us. He wants us to know him and he knows nothing in all the earth will compare to that. And we can walk forward and out of that place be jealous for others. As I close today, I just want to say on behalf of all of the pastors at Hosanna, we are jealous for you. <laughs> we don't want to play church. We don't want to entertain you. I love to make you laugh, but I don't want to entertain you. We don't want to compare ourselves to one another. We want you to know God. We want you to know God through Jesus Christ because we know that nothing compares to that. And we want God's best for you. We want Hosanna to be a place where we make room for all people knowing that we are broken and beautiful and we have a God of grace and we start with grace toward ourselves and then we extend to others and together we remember who God is and who we are as children of God and we arm in arm help each other walk forward in humble dependence on the Holy Spirit and holy confidence in who God says we are. That's what we want to be. We make room for others in the spirit of God. So as I close today in prayer, I just wanna invite you. I want you to hear God is jealous for you. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's the thousandth time. But will you turn fully to him? He's serious. He wants all of you, all of you. It might be scary for some of you. 
Give what you can, but let me tell you, when you're ready to give all and surrender all, changes everything. You will get God's best. So with that said, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God. <laughs> thank you for being a jealous God. Thank you for rewriting that word even in my heart. Thank you that you want us, God, that you, that you long for us, God. That's just an overwhelming feeling. And I just pray for anybody right now who is feeling overwhelmed by that. Sometimes that's just intimidating, Lord, to feel that much love and longing. But God, I just pray for your spirit to bring peace to every person. Lord, may you open up our receptors. May we be able to receive what you have for us. We want your best. And Lord, we want to give you our best. Right now, across all our campuses, I just pray that every single person will turn and look straight into your face, Jesus, and say, I give my all to you, God. I give all of me to you. Thank you, Jesus. God, may we be people who leave this place. And while we swim in a culture of comparison, may you lift us above it. May we know that we have something that compares to nothing else. And may we be people who are jealous for one another, wanting your best, longing for the world to know that nothing compares to you. I pray that all in the mighty and beautiful and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.